Hey, Darren. Hi. How are you? Doing great. How are you? It's great to chat again. Absolutely. It's always great to have you on the line and discuss all the government's misdeeds with you. Indeed, and there are very, very many to discuss this time. There are so many. Like with the news, there's so much going on. And as you know, I follow Revolver religiously because you guys are not only on top of all the news, but you're also breaking them with your exclusive investigations. And I want to talk to you about your latest one today because, as I said, while there's so much going on and so much we could talk about uh, at the moment, you know, from the midterm fallout, Elon Twitter buyout, FTX collapse, to name a few, we really have to talk about uh, the Fed's direction hoax and keep going at it and your latest pipe bomb story in particular. It's so important we don't let this get drowned out. So if you can, over the, the next half an hour, if you can walk us through what you've uncovered and especially with this latest piece, your latest findings with the footage of the so-called pipe bomber outside of the DNC. Indeed, I'm very happy to do so, and I'm thrilled that we'll have an opportunity here to really lay out the case in some detail, because, you know, if you go, I'll go on shows that are great shows, but I'll have, you know, one or two minutes, and it's not really enough time to convey the full extent of what's going on with the pipe bomb situation, and just how dark and how damning it is. I mean, I'm very proud that Revolver News has played a really critical role in advancing the conversation around uh, January 6th uh, in terms of the federal involvement, the so-called Fedsurrection. But the pipe bomb story is really, um, if there's any smoking gun, I say it's the Ray Epps uh, story, the Ray Epps saga, and there's the pipe bomb saga. And with the pipe bomb, I'll tell you, we really caught the feds. We really caught Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray with their pants down, if you'll pardon the imagery. We really caught them here. And I'll explain why. And once I'm done explaining this, it'll be very clear that we've got them. And the whole narrative will unravel before the American public's eyes definitively if we simply maintain focus and with persistence demand certain key items that we'll have the opportunity to subpoena now under the new House leadership. So it's always hard to know where to start with these things, whether to start with the kind of the, the technical details of it or the broader context, but just, just to get our feet wet, so to speak, I'll talk about the latest two pieces that we did on the pipe bomb, and then I'll provide the larger context. Great. So the second to last piece we did on the pipe bomb is really nice because it allows no room for speculation on the key issue. We proved something definitively. What did we prove? We proved that the FBI is in possession or is presumably in possession of surveillance footage that would depict the pipe bomber actually planting the bomb on the evening of January 5th. Remember, the, the, according to the official story, the pipe bomber planted the bombs the evening before on January 5th, and that's what's reflected in the surveillance footage that they released. 
And what we did was we looked carefully at the footage they released from January 5th and we saw, look, they're giving us footage. It's a very simple argument. It's very elegant in a way in its simplicity. It's like the old days when I used to study mathematics and some of the most elegant proofs were actually the most simple proofs. It's just right there, very elegant. It's one of those things when, when you think about it, it's so obvious, but it's not too obvious before someone points it out. And there are two cameras that the, that the uh, FBI has released footage from, from the DNC. And of course, two cameras being positioned in different places have different angles. Now, they show us the pipe bomber allegedly planting the bomb from the camera that has the worst angle. But we know because they released footage from this other camera, we know from the position of the other camera that we would have had a much clearer view of the moment during which they tell us the pipe bomber's planting the bomb. And yet they choose to show the public the worst angle that makes it unclear as to what this alleged pipe bomber is actually doing. So it really raises the question, they're out here, they're saying they need the public's help, they're begging us for any kind of information, and yet they deliberately choose to release the worst angle footage when they could have given us the money shot of the pipe bomber actually planting the bomb. Why is that? And think about the PR opportunity of the, of the uh, regime media being able to run on cycle over and over again, ad infinitum, the mysterious MAGA pipe bomber planting the bomb to have that clean money shot footage. They don't release it for whatever reason. That's very bizarre. And that's simply true. And what else is strange is we're the only ones pointing that out. The FBI has not responded to this, although the public face of the FBI's pipe bomb investigation is quietly resigned. We can talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but the FBI has made no official statement on this. And still more curiously, the Democrats haven't said anything about this. And remember, Norm, this is, according to the official story, this is the MAGA pipe bomber who planted an explosive device outside of the national headquarters of the Democrats. We prove that the FBI's withholding critical footage of that criminal act from the public, the most terroristic element of this so-called insurrection, and the Democrats aren't interested in having this released. That alone is very strange. Of the so-called most dangerous attack on U.S. soil. Right. And, and keep in mind, this, is, this actually involves explosives. So it's the most sort of terrorist-like aspect of the day that they're describing as the biggest act of terrorism since 9-11, even worse than 9-11. And yet the, the Democrats are uninterested in, in getting this footage that's been withheld from the public for whatever reason. The FBI hasn't responded to it. Nobody wants to talk about it. And it gets even worse because we did a follow-up piece. And again, this is where things kind of get weird and technical, but if just follow me along with the little steps and it's actually very simple. So the surveillance footage that they did release of this DNC pipe bomber at the pipe bomb location site, very curious footage for the following reason. It has a frame rate of 1.2 frames per second. 
Now, for those who don't know what a frame rate is, it's very easy. It's very intuitive. It's simply you take a flip book. You know those flip books you can take and you flip the pictures, and the faster you flip it, the more fluid the motion is. That's why they call it a motion picture. The faster you uh, flip through still images in succession, the more clean and fluid the motion is. So the more frames per second you have, the more information you have, and the more fluid the motion is. And the surveillance footage released by the FBI from the DNC building had a 1.2 frame per second, basically making it impossible to tell anything about it. Now, this is weird for the following reasons. We did a study. Revolver's investigative team is pretty amazing. We, we did a study on this. Just looking at what are the typical frame rates that you see from, say, your average gas station or McDonald's or something like that. And, and we went through these very extensively, and there was nothing close to something as low as 1.2. In fact, the worst gas station footage is like 8 to 10 frames per second. And so we said, this is really weird. Why would the DNC, where VIPs work, where VIPs come and go on a regular basis. In fact, we know that Kamala Harris was at the DNC building on January 6th and the Secret Service swept all throughout that building and the entrances and exits managed to miss the pipe bomb for some reason. That's great. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. But it's a place where VIPs are coming and going. It's a place with an enormous budget. It's housed in a city with one of the biggest violent crime rates in the country. And don't forget, historically, the break-in to the DNC um, was uh, attempted break-in to the DNC catalyzed one of the biggest, if not the biggest, political scandals in American history. That is to say Watergate, when the DNC was in a different location, but still. And in fact, in another Revolver story, we proved that the DNC building cared enough about security in that particular location where the pipe bomb was planted that they actually had a regularly stationed physical security guard there throughout the day. And so we're supposed to believe that the DNC got worse surveillance uh, technology than that of your average gas station or McDonald's. But it gets even worse than this because you might replies to say, yeah, you know, but, you know, DNC, maybe they're just lazy, maybe it's just incompetent, and so they wanted to get the absolute cheapest possible camera. Well, that doesn't even explain it because, listen to this, Nor, the lowest commercially available surveillance camera has a frame rate of eight frames per second. In order for them to find something with one, the Jurassic era 1.2 frames per second, they would literally have had to go to an antique store <laughs> to find it. And this is supported by, the, you know, there's a whole industry. Surveillance technology is a whole industry. There is an industry study, which we cite in this revolver piece, that did a survey of all the active um, uh, surveillance cameras in the country. And it found that the number of active surveillance cameras in the country with a frame rate between zero and five was zero percent. So what are the chances that, you know, the statistical chances like that the, that the one, you know, antique store grade surveillance camera with a frame rate of 1.2 frames per second just happens to be at the DNC. 
It's really, you know, the, the overwhelming weight of evidence in this case points really strongly to the fact that this footage must have been tampered with in order to deliberately reduce the frame rate. Now, why would they want to do that? Well, as I mentioned, Frame rate is fluidity. The frame rate is how many still photos you have, you know, within a given second. If you have a one frame per uh, 1.2 frame per second, it's almost impossible that you're going to get a clean shot of the person's face. It's almost impossible that you're going to get any sense of how the person walks, what their gait is like. And incidentally, Stephen D'Antuono, the guy who, by the way, was promoted by Ray because he oversaw the Michigan fednapping uh, fiasco, entrapment fiasco. He was promoted to D.C. in the months leading up to and on January 6th. And then he was the public face of the pipe bomb investigation. He's saying, we need your help. We need gate analysis. Do you recognize the gate? Well, you can't recognize the gate, someone's gate, at 1.2 frames per second. It doesn't happen. And a third possibility here is we know from the footage that this alleged pipe bomber had a phone in his or her hand. Now, if the frame rate were more in line with the high technological standards that we see from your average McDonald's and gas station, we would have a better sense of how actively and whether this pipe bomber was texting a third party while engaged in allegedly planting the pipe bomb. And the existence of a third party might be a very uncomfortable and inconvenient narrative for the FBI. And so there are a lot of reasons why they would want to tamper with this frame rate. And so between one, we know that they're hiding the money shot footage, assuming it exists at all, of the pipe bomber actually planting the bomb. And two, it seems overwhelmingly likely that there's some sort of tampering going on with the frame rate so as to make it more difficult to identify who this person is. Um, a very um, clear and compelling result follows, and that is simply we need the chain of custody of these surveillance tapes. They went from the DNC to the FBI. Did they go to some intermediate multimedia third-party company to get doctored a little bit before they were ready to be released to the public? What's the exact chain of custody? What are the names of the people involved? These, these aren't fictional items. These are real people who have been part of this chain of custody. Who are they? We need to know that. And secondly, we need to have the full and raw and unedited surveillance footage. Period. And those are two things that I think it's just an absolute condition. I know there's a big fight as to who's going to, you know, uh, run, you know, be the speaker and all this kind of stuff. And I have opinions there, too. But I think what's most important that is whoever's going to be speaker at a very minimum will commit to obtaining the chain of custody of these tapes and getting the raw footage. And I know that a lot of people are squishy. Not everyone's a fighter and a hero and a warrior like Matt Gates, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like Thomas Massey and others. Not everybody can be held to that heroic standard, but it doesn't actually take a hero to make these demands because you don't have to say, oh, Revolver News is right. This is the feds. You can pay lip service to the official narrative and say, hey, 
whoever this is, and presumably it's a MAGA terrorist, we want to find that person too. We might be Republicans, but we're a law and order party, and we hate terrorism just as much, if not more than anybody, and we want to catch this terrorist. And in order to do so, we want the full and unedited footage of this terrorist committing the terrorist act. It's that easy. You don't have to go the Fed's erection narrative, even though it's plainly obvious. You can protect yourself politically and still make this very simple and very imperative demand. And that is, we need the chain of custody and we need the full, raw, unedited footage. And from there, the whole house of card tumbles. Now that I've given, given that, um, I'd be happy to go into the broader context and background of the pipe bomb story, but since I've been rambling for a bit, I'll just shut up for a second and see if you have any initial reactions to that. Well, first of all, I wouldn't call it rambling at all because it was perfectly laid out and very concise and very compelling and funny at the same time, despite the fact that it's a very dark subject, as you mentioned uh, at the beginning. But coming back just on this point about the leadership, I mean, this is a litmus test for uh, Republicans because at the end of the day, you know, we can talk about the distinction between Democrats and Republicans, but we're really dealing with a unit party here. And this is the test for those in Congress to prove that they are on the side of the American people and not on the side of the government and of the national security state. So I think that's very important to, to put it forward to them. And you've done so on a silver platter. So we're going to see who actually fights for the American people. Absolutely. And like I said, it's really easy because you can make this critical demand. Like it's, it's so perfect because it's the most important demand because it's so precise it's so narrowly targeted and also to make the demand does not require that one subscribe to the correct but more politically costly thesis of the fed's direction that the feds are involved you can you can say look I agree with every aspect of the official narrative. This was, you know, it was an insurrection. It was horrible. It was terrorism. But we want to get to the bottom of this. We want to catch these terrorists. Are you with me or against me, so to speak? You know, how can how can the Democrats be on, you know, something the RNC could do to put pressure on the RNC could say, we condemn terrorism in all its forms, no matter who it is, even if it's a Republican, we're a party of law and order. We demand the full and raw and unedited footage of the person who planted the bomb outside of the DNC. And the DNC is going to look really weird if they don't join in that demand. You know, it's going to look really weird to object to any politician, Republican or otherwise, or the RNC, in their call to have the full and unedited footage that could help catch this January 6th terrorist. Put them in that position. If that's their position, if they don't want to catch this person, at least force them to say so on record. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to make them look even weirder and just continue to, how would you say, delegitimize uh, their narrative to the eyes of the public. Right even in the eyes of Democrat voters, to the point where the narrative isn't even sticking with them, or rather to the point where they don't really care. Right. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It is such an ultimately insignificant thing in terms of the actual event 
that I totally understand people who don't care about it, but I say this is that as insignificant as the event is um, in terms of its uh, sort of scope and uh, an impact as, you know, what happened on that day, it's symbolic and political significance is such that unfortunately we can't entirely ignore it because this, the false narrative behind January 6th, the false narrative is one of the primary tools that the regime is using to justify its war on the American people. And so it's not only the fates of these poor souls who are wallowing away in prison for no good reason because of January 6th. It's the fate of tens and tens of millions of Americans who stand to be designated as domestic terrorists and will have to face the full weight and force of the American national security state bearing down on their backs on the basis of this false narrative. And that's why it's so critical. Everybody's wrapped up in this. And that's why in terms of resource allocation, for God's sake, the RNC is sitting on top of a lot of money. They need to put some money into destroying this narrative. The dollar to impact ratio of attacking this narrative. And, you know, the thing is, Revolver is operating at a shoestring. We've done tremendous damage to this narrative. Imagine what we could do with an RNC-style budget. And the RNC, I've recommended a bunch of things. I've said they should set aside, you know, 20 million, something like that, which is a negligible number at the level of political fundraising and expending. Just 20 million, something like that, set up a fund to help to encourage whistleblowers to tell the story of what's really going on on January 6th. There's so many things they could do. Uh, Come up with a legal team. Just focus it on getting the tapes that I'm describing. And yeah, it just seems like such a no-brainer because once you absolutely and definitively destroy that narrative, then all of a sudden you're on the offense in a way that you haven't been in a long time. So that's what I would recommend to the Republicans. But in the remaining time, uh, I would like to say some things about the context of this pipe bomb story and why it really is so weird and why it is so critical we get this footage. I just want to jump in and say that you're absolutely, absolutely right. This is not insignificant in the least because there have been so many instances and events, you know, uh, organized from within, let's put it that way, in the past, all serving this agenda to justify the weaponization of the national security state against patriots. And this is the first time, I think, where you have their narrative that they weren't able to congeal once it left out of the gate, again, largely thanks to your work. And so we have this opportunity, this window of opportunity right now to expose the level of deceit of the government and these agencies and the role they play in removing any agency of the American people and their independence. Absolutely. And look, there's so many dimensions of January 6th. I know You know, there are people researching all these different things, but I think it's like we just need to blow up one aspect of the narrative and the whole thing crumbles. Mm -hmm. And so I found that the open wounds 
festering open sores of the official false narrative really are the case of Ray Epps and the pipe bomb case. And, you know, they're, they're counting on people to not have the attention span to follow through with these kinds of things. And so people ask, they say, you know, what can we do to actually force accountability on these bastards? Well, it comes, it's, it's down to the public, it's down to the people listening to this, because as long as there's public interest in this and public outrage as to the people who are responsible for this, that creates the space for people to act, for politicians to act. But the second that people don't care about it, I guarantee you, most politicians, most people in the GOP, with the exception of those warriors and heroes that I mentioned, they are so eager to forget about this and move on because it's just, it's an uncomfortable thing to point out that the government was very, very likely involved in key aspects of January 6th and has been involved in key aspects of a lot of other events, by the way. And that's just very uncomfortable territory. It's not the arena that politicians like to play around in. It's sort of it's outside of the playpen in which most politicians subsist and in which they're comfortable reading the kind of conventional talking points that ultimately don't amount to anything. It steps outside of the fake and performative realm of day-to-day -day American politics. So you really, we really have to force these guys to step out of the playpen. And if you force them, they'll do it. And Ted Cruz is a great example. Tucker, uh, Tucker yes. Carlson basically for, you know, he was, he, we were on the sh same show on the same night and he came on right after me and I did a January 6th segment and Tucker asked him about it, and put him on the spot and there you go. And Ted Cruz, you know, what could he do? Yeah, <laughs> so I remember. That's, that's kind of how you have to deal with these people. They will do it if they're forced. Yeah, we talked about it, I think, on the last call. It was glorious. Yes. And so just about the context, I want to say a couple of things about this because, you know, okay, so the feds are withholding footage, they're tampering footage of this DNC pipe arm. What's the deal with this? Why is it broadly bizarre and suspicious in the first place? Well, there are two aspects to the pipe bomb story. One is the pipe bomb that was first found near the RNC building. And I say that the circumstances under which the RNC pipe bomb was found are very strange and nearly impossible to believe. And the circumstances under which the DNC pipe bomb was not found until after the RNC pipe bomb, that's equally implausible, unbelievable. And yet both of these things had to happen um, in precisely the way they happen in order for in order for this diversion theory of the pipe bomb. That is to say, you know, these pipe bombs had mechanical one hour timers on them, meaning that since they were planted allegedly the evening before January 6th, you have a one hour mechanical timer that if you actually intended for it to go off, it would have gone off January 5th, the evening of. It's just got a one-hour mechanical timer. You can't set it to go off the next day, 17 hours later. And so partially because of that, the dominant theory about the pipe bombs is that they were plant, planted as a diversionary mechanism to divert 
attention and resources from what was going on at the Capitol on January 6th. And yet, in order for them to successfully divert, that means that they would have to be discovered according to a precise timeline, which is weird and not necessarily consistent with the idea that they were discovered by some random pedestrian. And that's where we get to the RNC story, which is the RNC pipe bomb, unlike the DNC pipe bomb that was really out there in the open, it was planted very conspicuously next to the leg of a park bench right outside of the parking garage entry and exit point to the DNC building. The RNC pipe bomb, by contrast, was very kind of secretively ensconced in a back alley uh, somewhere by a trash can. And yet the RNC one was the one that was actually found by the random pedestrian. The RNC pipe bomb was found reportedly at 12.40 p.m. And so the individual who found it at 12.40 p.m. found it with reportedly 20 minutes left on the mechanical dial. And in fact, apparently, according to the report, it was stuck on 20 minutes. So the pedestrian, random pedestrian, found the pipe bomb at 12.40. It was stuck on 20 minutes left. So it was found at the exact minute, such as to convey the impression that it was set to go off at 1 p.m., which was when the certification proceedings were to take place in Congress. So if this random pedestrian had found it at any other minute, had randomly found it at any other minute, it wouldn't be found it at 1240, it's got 20 minutes left, it's exactly time to 1 p.m. That's really strange. Furthermore, so this random pedestrian finds it at 1240, calls in, the Capitol Police start responding to the pipe bomb one minute before the initial assault on the western perimeter of the Capitol. That assault in which, by the way, Ray Epps was apparently one of the chief orchestrators. And so the discovery, the random discovery of the RNC pipe bomb was perfectly timed not only to the certification proceeding, but also, more importantly, to the initial assault on the west side of the Capitol. That's very strange. The timing was so good that they said, okay, this must be diversionary. That was the thesis propounded by the head of the Capitol Police, for instance. But it's so strange because how can, how can the timing be so good? How can the purpose be diversionary? How could the pipe bomber count on a random pedestrian finding it at the exact time they needed to find it in order for that diversionary effect to take place? Because if it had been randomly discovered several hours earlier, the effect would very well have been the opposite. Namely, you find a pipe bomb, you find an explosive device near the Capitol, you say, oh my God, there's you know, all this, you know, the Trump's giving a speech, people are going to go to the Capitol, so forth. We need to redouble security in light of this discovery. And they would have had time to do so. It's only discovering the pipe bomb just in precise alignment with that initial assault that it could have the diversionary effect that they blame on not having enough resources to stave off that Ray Epps breach of the West perimeter of the Capitol.
And so furthermore, so that's the circumstance with the RNC. But it applies equally well to the DNC pipe bomb, which wasn't found all this time. If the DNC pipe bomb had been found, that also could have stopped the West Side assault on the Capitol because, again, they would say, okay, we found bombs, we just need to up security, maybe we won't let anyone near the Capitol and so forth. Or at least it would have looked weird if that wasn't their response. So in order for it all to work the way that they said it worked, not only did the RNC pipe bomb have to be discovered by a random pedestrian at the exact minute that it had to be discovered, but also the DNC pipe bomb had to not be discovered all that time so as not to foil the plan. And the notion that the the DNC pipe bomb, which was planted allegedly around 8 o'clock on January 5th, and that was found after the RNC bomb was reported, so was sitting out there for over 17 hours undiscovered, is just beggar's belief. Because, well, for a number of reasons. First of all, like I said, it wasn't hidden like the RNC pipe bomb was. It was right out there in the open, and people can look at pictures to see what I mean by that. It was right there by the leg of the park bench, sitting out there for 17 hours. The morning of January 6th was a high foot traffic morning. So we're to believe that no motorists passing by, no pedestrians walking by, no employees sitting at the bench having a coffee in the morning saw it. As I mentioned earlier, Revolver News proved that there's a physical security guard stationed barely eight feet away from where the pipe bomb was planting. That physical security guard also happened to miss it. And to top it all off, the Secret Service of the United States did a sweep of the area and they didn't find it, which is all the more remarkable because it allegedly had live explosive material, which, you know, Secret Service dogs are trained very well to sit down immediately wherever any explosive material exists. So I say maybe the dogs had COVID and their sense of was compromised that day. That's preposterous. We have it on record that the Secret Service swept the entrances and exits, and the pipe bomb was barely eight feet away from the from the parking garage and entrance and exits, as we showed. So, the motorists missed it. The pedestrians of uh, on the morning of January sixth missed it. The security guard stationed barely eight feet away from the pipe bomb planted location. That security guard missed it, and the Secret Service of the United States, the most elite protection detail in the world, they also missed it. All of those people missed it. And it was only discovered magically, very quickly, after they learned that there was a pipe bomb by the RNC, which was discovered at the exact minute and the exact second that it needed to be discovered in order to have this alleged diversionary effect. And that is the broader circumstance that encompasses the fact that the FBI is doing all of this weird stuff with the footage that they released. Because given that the DNC pipe bomb was sitting out there undiscovered through, you know, by security guards, pedestrians, secret service, so forth, it's fair to ask, well, was it actually planted the evening before? Was it actually sitting out there? And that question could be answered definitively if we just had the footage. But that's the very footage that the FBI is withholding from the public, and we know that they have it. So that's the context here. And, you know, I mentioned that 
the pipe bomb and Ray Epps, these are the two smoking guns. And there is a really interesting nexus between these two smoking guns. As I mentioned, that the diversion thesis says that the pipe bombs were planted to divert from that Western assault on the Capitol, the Ray Epps assault that occurred around 1253 um, p.m. Now, there's leaked documents that came out of the Epic Times, which is a great organization, but frankly, if they're sitting on all these Ray Epps documents, I think they have a journalistic obligation to make them in the public domain. They've done like two stories on this, and now they're sitting on top of all this stuff. They're not really doing much with it, and I think they need to release it to the public due to the tremendous public interest in the January 6th narrative. Um, and let people who actually will be able to make sense of these documents to have a look at it. But that's a separate story. They did a good job. They got they got um, transcripts and recordings of Ray Epps's conversations with the FBI, his interviews with the FBI, and so forth. And in one of these interviews with the FBI, Feds had Ray Epps, who at the time was you know one of the top twenty most wanted guys in relation to January 6th. They took him off the, the list as Revolver.News reported and all these things. People know the Ray Epps story now. If you don't, go to Revolver.News and read the and watch the two uh, uh, classic stories about Yeah, if you haven't, you've got some catching up to do. The FBI had Ray Epps there, a captive audience. They're talking to him. He's the only guy caught on camera saying, go into the Capitol you know, the evening before, so he's already a suspicious figure at the very least. And the, he, he travels all the way from Arizona to D.C., allegedly to go to Trump's speech wearing a Trump hat. He doesn't go to this speech. Instead, he, you know, <laughs> urges people to go to the Capitol, and he's there positioned at the exact place at the exact time where that assault occurred that's perfectly coordinated timing-wise to the discovery of the RNC pipe bomb. And he's sitting there with the with the FBI, and the FBI people ask him, Ray, so why the hell did you go to D.C. in the first place? What compelled you to go to D.C. in the first place, Ray? And he says, you know what? I just had a premonition. I just had a feeling that there would be explosive devices planted on side streets. What? So he's basically saying not only did... He know not only was he calling for not that he knew he was calling for people to go into the Capitol the evening before and followed up on this by like every stage of the day on the six was ushering people to go in there and directing people to go in there. Not only was he the guy, the only guy caught on camera telling people to do this, but now he reveals to the FBI that he just went there because he had this crazy premonition that there would be explosives placed on side streets and sure enough there are these pipe bombs which were on side streets like very close to the capital that were discovered and that the dominant theory as to why the pipe bombs were there was to divert resources from the assault on the capital in which ray epps was a key orchestrator and the fbi doesn't even ask him a follow-up question to that they don't even ask him a follow-up question in relation to pipe bombs. That's really weird. So that's just 
an additional story to kind of tie the two things together. I'm not suggesting Ray Epps was, you know, planted the pipe on. I actually don't think he did. I just think it's really, really damn strange that he he says that the reason he went there was he was concerned about explosives on, you know, on side streets, which is like exactly what happened. And that's the whole other smoking gun of January 6th. And the FBI has him right there. And he says he dropped some bombshell like that. And they don't even ask him a follow-up question. Just so bizarre. It's so dark. It's so dirty. And, you know, we all know the truth. We all feel it in our bones, but it's about getting that definitive proof, and it all comes back to the very simple, very imperative, very easy ask. Let's get the chain of custody of that surveillance footage, and let's get the full, raw, unedited footage, and let's topple this really, really dark and dirty house of cards. Absolutely. As you mentioned in, in the article, they are sitting on 39,000 video files pertaining to the to the pipe bomb and as you know they're still sitting on 14,000 hours of footage of the so-called assault slash insurrection on the capitol they should just release everything to the public yes release everything and look there's a ton of footage of everything and they should release it all and that's great but i'm telling you there's a real advantage there's a real power in specificity and i think you know just think of the physics of it you know a blunt instrument that has less force than a sharp instrument because sharpness concentrates the force and we can sharpen down our ass to a single tip of a blade and that is we want chain of custody and we want the full footage of the dnc surveillance pipe bomb footage that's what we want we start there and we force people to get on record to either say okay i'm on board with it i want to find out who this pipe bomber is or you force the democrats to say oh we don't really care who this person was who planted pipe bomb outside of our national headquarters you're right it's so much more effective this way and damning depending on their response indeed yeah well you had uh, this one sentence to conclude your latest piece, which is the FBI can keep its tyranny or its legitimacy, but it can't keep both. And I think that was spot on. And this is the American people needs to demand that they choose. Indeed. Indeed. And so it's up to us. We need to pressure whoever it is, whoever, you know, the Speaker of the House, it's absolute litmus test. It's not optional. We need to get to the bottom of it. It's a simple ask. It's an easy ask. And we will not accept a no on this. Well, Darren, it's been uh, most enlightening. I'm sure uh, people listening will agree for you to expose all of this in such a comprehensive way. And you know you're one of my favorite patriots, but you're also a hero to all of us and to so many because... Without you, I mean, you're the only one that is covering and uncovering all the incongruities of the pipe bomb story. So we'll be supporting you. I really encourage everyone who's listening to either subscribe to the ad-free version, get merch, which is amazing. I've mentioned it many times before. Just find any ways, make a donation. I'll put, obviously, all the links uh, in the description box. But, you know, you guys are 
working out of a very small budget and you are taking on the mighty fight of exposing the FBI and we need to support all your efforts however we can. Thank you so much, Noir. Thank you. So you'll come back on soon and uh, we'll be watching closely. Of course. Thanks. Bye, Darren. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.